Everyone has a spirit that can be refined, a body that can be trained in some manner, a suitable path to follow. You are here to realize your inner divinity and manifest your innate enlightenment. Morihai Ushiba, martial artist. We talked about this being the anti-yoga yoga book, Sandra says with a smile, or the yoga book that isn't. You've established a certain presence through the practice of yoga, and what you're doing now is different from that, but wouldn't have necessarily come about without it. How do you connect the two, where you are now, and the path you took to get here? That's a good question. If I had to say what tools from yoga helped me get here, I'd have to say breath. That's where it all starts. It begins with proper breathing, and that starts to change your physiology. In the end, choosing to be awake, to be enlightened even, is about changing your intellectual sight, your focus. You need to be focused on what you want, and be focused on that while living, eating, breathing, whatever it is that you want. I wanted to know the truth, and that set my intent and focus. But the practice of yoga helps create this ability to focus. It helps you quiet the mind. It helps you direct your focus to one thing via breath and meditation. I pause, thinking. It also promotes harmony. If you're focusing on breathing and your breath is harmonized in the body, there is a unity. Some people are so busy in their minds, they forget to breathe at all, except in short, shallow gasps. You can't go inside if you don't know where or what your body is. In yoga, we use the body to bring the focus inside. That's where all the answers are. Everything is right inside of you. I found nothing on the outside, nothing at all. Is that where this idea of physical vehicle comes from, Sandra asks? If we're all part of this great source, why are we encapsulated off into separate physical bodies? Experiences, I say. So each individual and all he or she experiences is perfectly valid, perfectly as valuable as anything else, she asks. I nod, completely. One person's life is as valuable as any other because it's another experience for consciousness, for Brahman to have. So in terms of focus and yoga practice, you can say that it doesn't matter what the focus is. You wanted to know the truth, but someone else might want to, somebody might want to write an opera, I interrupt. Yes, do it. But make sure that's what you really want. What you desire has to come from your true self and not your ego. If it's an egoistic desire, it isn't going to work. For instance, it would be stupid for me to say that I want to win an Oscar. I'm not an artist, composer, screenwriter, or actor. That would never happen because the desire of wanting to win an Oscar doesn't come from a pure state. If I said that I would like this book to be written so that I can get this message out to people and help them, that's something that's a bit more real and in line with my life. As I focus everything on it and stay there, things fall into place and the book starts to manifest. Anyone can do that. How do you know if what you want is from a pure place, she asks. Some people may be less in tune with themselves in the nature of their true desires. They have to get in tune first. That's why it starts with breathing and meditation. These basic practices shut off the monkey brain, shut off the chaos, shut off the crazy so you can listen. That's all I want people to do in the beginning. Just shut up. Turn everything off and listen. That's where you start to connect with what you are feeling and not what your emotions are telling you to feel. Does traditional yoga training say the same thing? Or is this Jason's spin on the training that he's done, she asks. No, no, no. 
It's partially from my training, but the whole point of yoga is to quiet the mind. That's it. I heard once that the point of yoga was to prepare the body for death, she says, for the release of the spirit. Is that true? Not in anything I've read, I laugh. The most basic fundamental point of all of the yoga I've studied is to quiet the mind so that you can connect to your true self. Maybe part of the reason it's so successful in the West is because we've lost our systematic ways of quieting the mind, she says. We don't use anything from our Western tradition that allows us to do that anymore, except perhaps prayer. We have no ways, traditionally, to quiet the mind, I say, and now we're stimulating ourselves more and more on a more regular basis. If you go to the cinema, everything is moving, flashing. You can't keep your eyes focused on one point for more than a fraction of a second. If you look at a film from the 70s or 80s, though, everything seems slower. It's calmer and relaxing. Did you ever watch Lassie when you were a kid, Sandra asks. Yeah, yeah, I say. If you watch that now, it's amazing. Only one thing happens in half an hour. I laugh. If that show were being made today, that half an hour would be crammed with a thousand things. Lassie would find a cocaine smuggler. There would be prostitution, gunfights, pow, bang, pow, pow. So, no, we don't have that peace around us at all these days. We have to concentrate on creating it. A lot of that sense of peace is lost in yogic practice as well. People see it as exercise for the most part. Exercise that makes them feel better and sure, for five minutes at the end of a lesson, you get a bit of a quiet. That's the only time most people feel it. The whole point I'm trying to make is that within yoga, asana is only a small step in the process. You are supposed to go past that. That's why you see some of these swamis and gurus that aren't really in good shape. They don't need asana anymore. Their practice has shifted to a completely intellectual one. They are more consciously aware, I pause. Maybe not all the time, all the way, but more so than asana can get you. In yoga, it's called the eight limbs, the eight steps to reaching samadhi, which is total focus on the mind. In that space, you can start to truly destroy the ego, if you like. Which, in theory, you can achieve in life, she says. Of course, of course. So why do you think you chose yoga as a tool to get to where you've gotten to, she asks. There's nothing Indian in you. Did you grow up in a place that was very yoga-focused? I laugh. No, no, more witch-focused. Witch-focused, she laughs. Why do you think uh, yoga was the path for you then? I don't know, honestly. Looking back, I think it was because I liked those five minutes at the end. It was the only exercise that gave me that sort of result. After a while, I started feeling more things, feeling my intuition, and, rea and really, really listening. For the first year that I lived in San Francisco, I lived in a very creepy house. Things weren't going so well for me at the time. I had rented a room, sight unseen, after just a few emails and phone calls with the tenants. When I arrived, it was like walking into a crack den. One of the guys was missing half of his teeth and dangled a big cigar in the gaps where his teeth used to be. The other couldn't make eye contact and was softly hitting himself. It took me a while to find a job at Friends, so I started doing yoga from books every day, literally seven days a week for a year, to escape. It was with that intensity of practice that things started to become more clear. Is there anything else you think might be interesting to share about the idea of choosing certain paths to enlightenment, she asks? Because, in a way, yoga is one path, even starting with the breath. You could have done Tai Chi. Of course, I say. Could you use running to get there, she asks. You could. Of course you could. Because the only thing that gets you there in the end is focus and clear intent. That's it. 
And how do you get to a point of clear intent, she asks. If you come from a place of need, financial need, for example, growing up, you might focus on everything that you didn't have growing up. People move to acquisition for a good reason, for stability, security, fulfillment, but that in itself might not be it. It probably won't make you happy, I say, and that's when you have to question yourself. Why did I do this? How did I get here? So there's a kind of happiness uh, barometer that keeps you on track, she says, and I laugh, yes. When you aren't happy, or there is a growing feeling of discontent, something is going wrong. If you're focused, you'll know what needs attention pretty quickly. If you aren't focused, you need to come back to learning how to do it. If you have pure intent and good focus, things happen. But if your intent is unclear and or you have no focus, you won't go anywhere towards manifesting what will make you happy. That's one of the reasons I didn't like the secret, I say. All they said was to think about what you want. Make a dream board and everything will turn out the way you picture it. No, you have to fucking act. You have to act and keep acting with clear intention and clear focus over time. I really don't know how to say it any other way. When I'm thinking, when I'm really in the process of active thinking, it's like a straight line to what I want. That's how my thoughts work. I see them visually, like shining a flashlight in a dark space. There's a straight line of focus. Your, your intent needs to be behind that completely. My intent was and is that I want to know the truth. My focus is that I'm going to shine this light on that truth, and I'm going to keep going in that direction. I'm going to follow every cue along the way until I get there. Nothing is going to distract me. It's only going to help me. That also changes your vision, because as you keep your focus, the universe will throw things at you to help you get there. The universe doesn't want to impede you. You're here to fucking fly, to have a good time. You get stuck because you identify with your body, your emotions, and all the distractions you create to stay put. Sandra pauses, thinking, So, why do people do that? Why would anyone choose to get caught up in all of that drama and emotion instead of flying? Fear, I say. Fear of proper change. People don't like change. And people don't like doing nothing, she says. So when they don't know what to do, they either chase things they know or create emotional drama to distract them from what they don't know. You've said two things there that are pretty big and pretty interesting, I say. One is that the universe wants you to fly. Oh no, this is Sandra saying that you've talked about a, benevol a benevolent universe in a way as opposed to a completely neutral one. Now it's me again. I'm speaking of that in the sense of energy, not in the sense of a being. The energy is moving and constant. The universe exists only inside of you and in the things that you make of it. What I mean is that there is a beautiful flow to your life that's always there. You hinder the flow by being attached to the ego and doing its desires instead of listening to your own. The other idea that came up was the idea that nobody in here, or nobody is here to do nothing. Doing nothing is death, she says. Doing nothing is boring. Why would consciousness want to be bored, I say? Sandra frowns. But creating an emotional drama is not doing nothing. And that's okay, I say. That's fine, as long as you're happy with it. If you're not happy, then we have to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and change the activity. The whole point is to break people out of behavioral patterns when they realize and decide that behavior is not who they are or what they want to be. It comes back to the happiness question, she says. Happiness 
It's kind of a barometer. If you're not happy, something is not right. Exactly, I say, so fix it. And we laugh. If you're not happy in a country like this, with enough to eat, shelter, peace, and people around you, then you have to ask why. Only most people don't. Most of my students who take private coaching sessions don't return for more than two visits in a row because we shake things up so much. The coaching either needs time to settle in and they need to process, or the students go through a period of, oh, fuck, I wasn't ready for that. That's not really what I want. Or is it? That's why I always start my coaching by asking, why are you here? I want you to do what you want to do. 